0: Ninth Story Studios. Giving Story a voice. Hello kiddies! So, you want access to the Wicked Archives, do you? Well, it takes money to keep the lights on and keep our beasties fed. Trust me, you don't want them hungry. They might just start eating the writers and then where would we be? Visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash wickedlibrary and pledge your support to the show. For $2 a month, I'll give you a key to our collection of classic episodes. For $5 a month, I'll let you hear the bonus stories before the rest of our listeners. Even more tantalizing rewards await for those who want to sacrifice more to us. <laughs> Over 70 classic episodes are lurking deep in the private area of the library, just waiting to be heard by you. Led yourself to the library today, and you'll be ours forever. You're going to like it here, I think. How much is it for people to enjoy the private area of the librarian, Dan? (laughs) You're listening to the Wicked Library. of yet hold on to yourselves boils and ghouls it's going to be a dark ride we'll turn the lights on in a few minutes but no talking it's story time at the wiki library live Just a few announcements, kiddies. Oh, hello! How are you? Didn't see you there. I've just been above ground for a few moments, but I did have a few announcements. As you can see, there are exit signs. In case of something orange, fiery, and hot, run in the opposite direction and hopefully it will lead you there. Another reef announcement. If you hear something nearby growling, quietly move in the opposite direction. If that doesn't work, play dead. I mean, it's not going to help, but it's good to practice. (laughs) And one final thing before we get the fun started. Everyone in the first two rows will get ticks. Congratulations. Are you ready to have a spooky time? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a living corpse. Is everyone ready to have a good time tonight? <laughs> yes, sir. We'll be seeing you after the show. Enjoy yourselves, kiddies. <laughs>
1: everybody. I hope you guys are all as excited to be here at the amazing Aurora Theatre tonight. I'm Daniel Foytek and I thank you all for coming and lending us your ears and your eyes on this very wicked night. Tonight we have three terrifying tales for you. Freebies by Christopher Long, Unholy Wedlock by K.B. Goddard, and The Lost and the Damned by me and Nelson W. Piles. The final tale is actually a story from The Lift, which is the Wicked Library's sister podcast, because we couldn't have a live show without Victoria. Uh, We hope you'll enjoy a few spirits from the lobby, as well as the spirits we brought along, and those that are lurking in the shadows around you. Now, before we get started, I'd like to introduce our cast, and then we'll go ahead and get on with tonight's dark ride. So, from Nebraska, Guam, Las Vegas, Pennsylvania, Indiana, and South Carolina, as well as the dark places in your mind, a killer writer, editor, and voice actress, the co-creator of The Lift, and an executive producer of The Wicked Library, Cynthia Lohman. Direct from Connecticut, an actress who's appeared on stage in music videos and more. A professional and versatile actress who brings her characters to life with ease. Denise Michelle Johnson. a YouTube sensation artist, illustrator, and talented painter with a love of horror and probably the bubbliest, sweetest, and most talented storytelling artist I know. She's saving you from just staring at us all night, Jeanette Andromeda, who will be doing live painting. The reason you can hear us, the one in charge of music, sound effects, and your auditory immersion. He's right behind you in the dark, David Benedict of Atlanta Radio Theatre Company. Joining us from the ether here in spirit as Voices from the Dark, Australia's own Amber Collins as Victoria, from New York, Graham Rowett opening the first story, Mary Murphy also from New York introducing the second tale, and introducing our last tale from the UK, Erica Sanderson. That's right. This this show will actually be broadcast as our Halloween episode, so they will hear your applause, even though they are not here tonight. <laughs> That's right. You are part of a live studio recording. This is uh, kind of how we do a live podcast. So have fun, enjoy yourself, and last but not least, the creator of the Wicked Library, a published horror author of two popular novels, Demons, Dolls, and Milkshakes, and Spiders and the Daffodils, as well as a short story collection, and 2 many mini-anthologies to count, two of which will be in the lobby after the show, the voice of the librarian, Nelson W. Piles. And now, Let's get wicked.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, we invite you to take a look around yourselves tonight. Take a look at the rows of seats. The stage. Think about the lobby. Picture the rooms and corridors hidden backstage, where costumes are shed like a second skin at the end of every performance, and the stage lights fail to tread. A lot of people will tell you that a theater is just a building. They might even try to convince you that it's a building that's had its time, here in the glitz and glamour of our modern age. You should never listen to these people, ladies and gentlemen, for they have forgotten the truth about theaters. You see, a theater is more than bricks and mortar. It is more than a concession stand, a bar, and posters for upcoming events. A theater is forever balanced on that thin, sharp skin which keeps reality and fiction from touching. If you look closely and carefully, you'll see that the building around you is a nexus point, a crossroads, a convergence of raw emotional truths and cleverly constructed masks. Maybe that's why there are so many superstitions sewn into the shadows around your seats. There are plays whose names aren't safe to be spoken here. There are lights which are left on once you've all gone home in order to give the ghosts somewhere to gather and perform. The very idea of good luck can be dangerous in a place like this. It's far safer to replace it with a proposal to simply break one's own limb instead. There are other traditions that date back even further one of our favorites has to do with the seats themselves. Maybe you've not heard of this, but some theaters will always make sure to keep a few seats empty. No matter how popular the show, no matter how many nights are left in a run, they will always keep some seats vacant for the dead. Sometimes it just might be the odd seat empty selected at random in a row. You may even be sitting next to one tonight. There are some telltale signs to watch for, just in case you're worried. A stray breeze across the nape of your neck. A soft creak from somewhere in the dark beside you. A lost little whisper in the silence of a dramatic pause. Some theaters choose to employ a different strategy to this, however. They will keep two or three seats empty somewhere out of sight so as not to attract your curious and shifting attention. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we would like to focus on two such seats. For we feel it's important to tell you a story concerning the dangers of sitting where the dead are always welcome.
3: Okay, here we go! Wait,
1: these are our seats? These, Simon, are your seats. Wow, Chet, I don't know what to say. You really undersold these seats. I didn't want to get your hopes up, although they're pretty much always empty.
4: And we're sure this is a good idea?
3: Trust me, this is 100% a good idea. See, I told you, it's fine.
4: And we're sure fine is the right word for sneaking into a theater.
3: You're not sneaking in, I'm letting you in.
4: (laughs) Doesn't that mean the exact same thing?
3: Of course not. I work here. That basically makes you, like, my plus two.
4: Actually, I think it makes you our accomplice. Chad, uh, don't take this the wrong way, but have you ever done this before?
3: Well, to be honest, no one's ever agreed to try this until I met this guy.
1: Hey, what can I say? I'm a man of action. (laughs) Yeah, you are. Really? What? It it felt like a high-five moment.
4: It wasn't a high-five moment.
1: Hey, it's always a five
3: mo- f- high-five moment here. This is the theater. They practically encourage you to be theatrical.
4: Well, I'm not sure the theater wants you sneaking off to a grungy little bar during the interval.
3: They're not the boss of me.
4: Yes, they are. That's exactly what they are.
1: Uh, I just let him think that. Lee, come on. You said you wanted to see this show.
4: No, you said you wanted to see this show.
1: Guys, guys, guys,
3: come on, come on. It doesn't matter. You're here. You're through the looking glass. You might as well relax and enjoy it.
1: Hey, uh, seats are comfier than they look, you know.
3: Yep, this place might be old, but think of it this way. History has just broken it in for you.
4: Don't you have work to be getting on with,
3: Man, you're starting to sound like my manager. I'm saving your anniversary.
1: I wouldn't go that far.
3: You weren't a bar, dude. That's hardly romantic.
1: We went out for a meal first. It's not like it was a birthday. Sure it was. It's your marriage birthday. For the record,
3: I'm working on a budget tonight. Well, I gotta say, if it was me, I wouldn't set a budget on my love.
4: Okay, Chet, off you go. Looks like you really have saved our marriage birthday.
1: You're welcome, Kylie. Would everyone stop saying he saved our anniversary? Look, don't take
3: out your romantic frustrations on me. I came to your rescue tonight. I saw a marriage in danger and said this will not stand. Especially when I have access to such great seats. You know, maybe just sit down before people start to notice.
4: Start to notice what? Uh,
1: it's, it's nothing. It's fine.
4: No. Before they start to notice
1: what, Chet? It's just these, uh, seats are always empty. And? Lee, please. Chet's doing his best.
3: I guess, like I mentioned at the bar, there's a chance that some of the regulars out there might notice two people sitting up here when it's always empty. Oh,
1: brilliant. It definitely (laughs) should be pretty much fine, though, I think. See, we're gonna be fine. You said you wanted an anniversary to remember.
4: I meant, I don't know, salsa dancing or something. Maybe a hot air balloon.
3: Since when do you like heights? Yeah, Lee, since when do you like heights?
4: You know, you're free to leave whenever you want, Chet.
3: Fine, fine, hint taken. Enjoy your free seats, and don't take it out on my man here if you don't.
1: I think you upset Chet.
4: I suppose I'll have to learn to live with that. In here.
1: Yeah, I guess it must be so cold because no one ever uses it.
4: Look at you. You're loving this, aren't you?
1: People do this all the time.
4: Oh, really?
1: Then why are these seats always empty? Alright, well, not this exactly, but people do this sort of thing all the time. They illegally download stuff. They keep library books. They eat a piece of fruit while they're out doing shopping. We're good people. We pay our taxes. We love our kids. We just want a little more out of life for one night. Is that too much to ask? I don't know. Come on, sit down. If not for me, then for our marriage birthday.
4: There. Happy now? Shh,
1: it's starting. You know, these are pretty good seats. You'd think people would pay to sit here.
4: Well, they don't. Now shut up.
1: It makes you wonder, why wouldn't people want to sit here? Oh
4: my God. Are you going to talk through the whole thing? We're already behind from missing the first half. Do you, do you recognize that guy?
1: I swear he's on TV.
4: <sighs> I guess it's a shame you couldn't have stolen a program as well.
1: I don't need a program. I just need to exercise the old trivia muscle. That's weird.
4: I didn't see those people come on stage. What people? Those other people near the They're not even standing in the light.
1: Where? I I can't see them.
4: I thought this was meant to be a two-person play. It is a two-person play. You
1: really can't see them? I can't see anyone apart from the man tied to the chair and the man with the knife. Ah! Or would you say it's more of a scalpel? certainly cuts well. Why would they just
4: stand there like that? It has to be part of the play. I knew coming here without seeing the first half was a bad idea.
1: You never know. It could be the lighting. You may be seeing them through the curtain.
4: That might explain why none of them are casting a shadow.
1: Maybe it's the seats. Maybe no one sits here because you can see the backstage crew.
4: But it's... Not like in the wings, is it? They're they're out. They're out on stage. Oh god, what if they've been sent here to see if someone is sitting here?
1: Let's swap. I want to see if I can see him from your seat.
4: Oh, I knew we shouldn't have left the bar.
1: No, nope. only seeing two people.
4: Great. So
1: that's it then. Case closed i'm a liar calm down i'm not calling you a liar i just can't see anyone that's all they're right there hey come on you warned me about being quiet
4: (sighs) maybe we should just go something doesn't feel right Uh,
1: but we hurt chet's feelings
4: Remind me, when did we start worrying about Chet's feelings? Oh, would you rather have Chet sitting here instead of me? Is that it?
1: It depends. Would he accuse me of siding with the invisible actors? <sighs>
4: you really can be a senseless prick, you know that?
1: I'm sorry.
4: Those two words don't get to solve every problem you create, Sai. Okay. That's weird.
1: What is it now?
4: One of them has come closer to the front of the stage. This has to be part of the play, right?
1: I can't see a soul up there. Oh,
4: God. They're looking right at us. Maybe they know we shouldn't be here.
1: You're shivering.
4: She's... Looking at me.
1: She? If this is supposed to be funny, you need to tell me, because this isn't funny. Is she... Is she pointing at me? I'm sorry, but this really feels like you're trying to pull some sort of prank on me. Did you set this up? You suggested we go to that bar. You set me up for another round when Chet came in. I knew he seemed too friendly.
4: Where did she go? I I can't see her anymore. I I can't see any of them.
1: Well, that's a good thing, right? If they're gone.
4: They were right there. How can they all disappear like that?
1: (sighs) Not to be that guy, but are we sure they were ever really there?
4: I know what I saw, Cy.
1: Who said what?
4: Didn't you hear that?
1: Oh, come on. Let it go. You had your fun, okay?
4: My fun? Just look at you. There. You you must have heard that. Someone's whispering.
1: Maybe it's someone complaining about this woman who won't stop talking through the second half of the play.
4: Oh, sure. Take the entire theater side.
1: Don't be like that. I'm worried about you. You're perfect.
4: I think...
5: she's getting closer.
1: Seriously, if this is a prank...
5: I couldn't have asked for better.
4: I think... I think she's talking about me.
1: Oh. She's talking about you now. Right. Of course she is. Sigh,
4: I'm serious. This isn't a joke. I I don't feel right. I I don't like this.
1: Lee, come on. Are you trying to get us thrown out? We'll have to do something about him. Did she just
5: walk past me?
1: Jesus, if this is some childish, petty little revenge prank, then I'm done planning our anniversaries. Did you hear that?
4: Sigh. I'm
5: serious! I really think we should go. But, apart from that, you're absolutely perfect.
4: She sounds like she's right behind us
5: now.
1: There's no one behind us.
4: It's getting colder. Can you feel that? It's definitely getting colder.
1: Yeah, okay, you're not imagining that. They really could do with turning the heating up in here.
4: I'm not imagining anything!
1: Sorry. Uh, That was a poor choice of words.
4: Is that really what you think is happening?
1: Lee, I have no idea what is happening right now. Do you?
4: I, I know I can hear somebody whispering in my ear, and I know I can't feel my fingers.
5: I waited so long for you...
4: And I swear I could feel her breathing down my neck.
1: Maybe you're right. Maybe we do need to get you home. Jesus! What is it?
4: Please tell me. You just
1: touched my neck. Me? No, I didn't come anywhere near your neck.
4: We really need to go.
5: And it's
1: all thanks to you. What did you say? I...
4: I didn't say anything.
1: Sure you did. What did
4: you just say? I'll finally be able to leave.
1: Why are you whispering?
4: I'm not whispering. I'll finally be able to sleep. I I can feel her holding on to me, Sai. Oh, Christ. Her grip is like ice. We need to go right now. We need to go home right now.
1: Fine. Ignore me. Real mature.
4: I'm not ignoring you. You're ignoring me. Please. Please. Can we just go?
5: Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: After everything you've been going on about, I can't believe you're ignoring me.
5: Sigh. I'm not ignoring you.
1: Really? So what, you're just sitting there and muttering to yourself then?
5: I'm sorry. I'm just a little
1: tired. Well, I guess it is a pretty late night for us. We're so used to living on kids' time these days. Look, if you really want to go, I get it. You were up ridiculously early with Tilly this morning. Tilly? Yeah, you know, your are first born. <laughs> yes, of course, Tilly. Jesus, Lee. How much do you have to drink tonight?
5: Very tired. Children can be such a burden.
1: Careful. You're starting to sound like your sister.
5: I suppose we could stay a little longer.
1: It would be a shame to waste these seats.
5: Sigh! Please! These seats are special,
1: after all. They really are. How often do we get to do something like this by ourselves?
4: This isn't right! I'm
1: sorry if I
5: scared you earlier.
1: You didn't scare me, not really. Still,
5: you went to the trouble of finding us these great seats, and I nearly ruined the night for us. Why can't you hear me?
1: Come on, I got the tickets without asking you. I pushed you into coming here. We have to be willing to share the responsibility of our problems.
4: Hi! please. You're not talking to me.
5: That's not me. You're right. We're in this together now.
1: So, did you want to stay to the end? It's totally up to you. I
5: think we should stay and see how this ends, especially after you went to such trouble.
1: God, your hand's like ice.
5: Sorry. I'm sure it'll warm up once I get outside. Why
4: can't you tell this isn't me? sigh I'm right in front of you.
5: Did you say something? Don't tell me you're hearing things now as well.
1: That's too soon, Lee. Way too soon.
5: It was me! Sai, look at me! Please! Maybe it's an echo from the stage?
1: Hey, maybe that's what you heard earlier.
5: Maybe. It's an old theater. The acoustics can be tricky. This
4: is insane, Sai! Look at me, please! I need you to talk to me.
1: Wait a minute.
4: Oh, thank God. I thought I was losing you.
1: That guy's out of that sci-fi thing we watched last year, isn't he?
5: Is he? What? No! Don't do this to me!
1: I might be slow, but I always get there in the end.
5: Yes, in the end, good for you.
1: Surprised you didn't recognize him first, to be honest. Didn't he make your list?
5: I believe you're right. He did make my list.
4: She doesn't recognize him because it isn't me. Why can't you see that?
1: Hang on. Is that why you wanted to come to this play?
4: (laughs) No. Of course not. Look at her side. I know it's dark, but you've got to be able to tell that's not me. That's not my smile. Look at her
5: shadow, for God's sake! You know,
1: I think he's shorter in person.
5: You might be right. Then again, this theater does play
1: tricks on you. Makes you wonder how tall child actors really are. Uh, They could be pocket-sized.
5: I could just pick up a person and take them home.
1: Now, that'd beat stealing a program. Wouldn't it just?
5: (laughs) Please...
1: Should we nip out for a nightcap after this?
5: I'd hate to be a bad influence. Don't
4: look at her like she's me.
1: If the shoe fits, right? My mother did warn me about you. Sigh. You know what? I think that echo's gone.
5: That's good.
1: And this play, it's not half bad. I mean, I wouldn't pay an arm and a leg to see it, but it's pretty good even with your little stud in it
5: i don't think you've seen anything
1: yet now that sounds intriguing
5: i think it's fair to say this show still has some surprises
1: up its sleeves they should put that on the posters
5: oh it's not for everyone how do you mean i mean there's a surprise coming just for the person sitting in your
1: seat. (laughs) If you're suggesting... I appreciate the thought, but that feels a little risky. Also, it's pretty cold in here. I think it's actually gotten colder somehow. Just keep watching the stage. Well, sure, it's a play. I mean, you're meant to keep at least an eye on the... Huh. Have you spotted it? That's... It's weird. The, the curtain, it's twitching, like someone's behind it. Is that what you were talking about before? Look at the way they can
5: move without anyone else seeing them. Isn't
1: that quite the magic trick? That is so strange. Why didn't I see this before?
5: I suppose you weren't ready yet.
1: But I... I thought you said there were crowds of them. There can be.
5: Every theater needs an audience, and it'll get one. By hook or by crook.
1: What's that supposed to mean?
5: Look. He's finding us. He's finding you.
1: You're saying he can see me?
5: In a manner of speaking. A theater might need an audience, but it doesn't always leave them their eyes.
1: I... I think he's pointing at you.
5: Not me, darling. No, wait.
1: Hang on, He's... he's stepping off the stage! Kylie, this is all a prank, right? You've set this up?
5: (laughs) You still think I'm your wife!
1: I'm sorry.
5: Sweet, in a way.
1: Kylie, please tell me this is a joke.
5: I suppose she does suit me, as costumes
1: go. What are you talking about?
5: Maybe we'll talk about it outside. Although, I won't be talking to you then, will I? He'll just look like you. That'll take some getting used to.
1: What's wrong with your eyes?
5: Here he comes. Warmer. Warmer.
1: Wait. Wait a minute. I, I can't move.
5: Oh, can't you?
1: Why can't I move?
5: I can move. See?
1: Kylie, please talk to me.
5: She tried. She really did. You just couldn't hear her anymore. Why can't I feel my legs? They won't be yours to worry about soon. Who...
1: who are you?
5: It doesn't matter who we used to be. We're free now. Let me out of the seat! Now, now. This theater has plenty of roles waiting for you. You'll see.
1: I don't want to see.
5: The theater can help with that, too. They can't hear you, Simon Help! Please help me I told you, the acoustics can be tricky here if they want to be
1: I just want to go home
5: I wonder where your playmate has gotten to (laughs) Oh, here he is
1: Where? I I can't see him I, I can't hear him you could... I mean... She heard you. Kylie heard you.
5: I was lucky. The theater left me, my tongue. It still likes to hear some screams in the dark.
1: I can feel someone's hand on my shoulder. He's so cold. We're all cold here. This, this can't be happening. I just wanted a nice night out for the two of us. A bit of fun. An adventure
5: know. But people always forget what a theater is. I only
1: wanted Kylie to have a good time. It's
5: an open door. An open, unguarded, hungry door. I wanted to have a good a good night. See? It's not so bad, is it?
1: I'm sorry. Kylie...
5: Get used to it again. So what'd you guys think of
3: the play then? I see no one got in trouble, just as I predicted.
5: We liked it very much. Thank you. And we loved these seats. They made the whole show so very immersive.
3: Oh, that's awesome. I was hoping it would work out okay.
5: (gasps) Sa, you okay there, buddy? He's fine. Just a little dead frog in his throat.
3: Hey, how about I help you two find a nice bottle of something expensive from the bar to wash that dead frog away with? Call it an anniversary present from your old pal, Chet. How does that sound?
5: That sounds wonderful, Chet. We were only talking about having a nightcap, weren't we, dear? Ooh, that's spooky. Isn't it just...
0: From an early age, we are taught to fear the unknown, to be afraid of what we do not understand. Well, you're about to discover that what you do know can not only hurt you, but can scare you to death. (laughs) Thirteen authors from around the world have been assembled to explore the very notion that learning about the unknown can have terrifying results. The Wicked Library presents 13 Wicked Tales, our first anthology featuring Stephanie M.Y. Tovich, Jessica McHugh, K.B. Goddard, Lydia Peaver, and so many others. With an introduction from Daniel Foytek, and new artwork from Jeanette Andromeda, not to mention an intro from yours truly. (laughs) Step inside, kiddies. It's story time at the Wicked Library. Available in paperback and Kindle on Amazon.com. <laughs> learn what you fear, and fear what you learn!
6: <laughs> Algernon Hunter. Victorian gentleman is a man with a lifelong interest in the supernatural. And you could say the supernatural has a lifelong interest in him. It certainly has a habit of seeking him out. Algernon is newly married, and he and his wife Louisa couldn't be happier. The bond between husband and wife should be a special thing. But these two know from experience that when the supernatural is involved, the bonds of wedlock can prove Problematic. Now, at an innocent gathering, Algernon is about to meet someone who will remind him of that, in the most extraordinary of circumstances, in a day we shall call Unholy Wedlock.
1: Mrs. Lucas's Drawing Room
4: There is someone I wish you to meet, but first I want you to tell me your impression of him. Oh, and who's that? You see that man in the corner?
3: Which, the tall fellow talking to Miss Montgomery?
4: Sir Henry? (laughs) Why, good heavens no. There's nothing of interest about him. He's a dreadful bore. but still. He's one of those persons whom one simply must have at one's parties. But nobody quite remembers why. But never mind about him. I mean, the other gentleman. The one with the spectacles.
3: No, the scholarly-looking chap with the sandy hair. That's him. Well, he seems more interested in your paintings than the party. I should say he is someone who is not often in society and is not the least sorry for it. When I first
4: asked him to come, he declined my invitation. But when I mentioned that you were to be here, he changed his mind upon an instant. He wants very particularly to meet you.
3: To meet me? Yes. Good heavens, did you see how he started at the thunder? The fellow looks positively hunted. He strikes you that way, does he? I wonder at his being out in society at all, for he seems to be suffering very badly with his nerves. It is very odd,
4: for I have known him for some time, and have never known him to suffer from any nervous complaint until quite recently. He's been so keen to meet you, makes me think there's some reason for the sudden change. Come, let me introduce you. Uh, Mr. Evans, (laughs) Hmm? what are you doing over here all on your own? This is a party, you know.
1: Forgive me, Mrs. Lucas, I was admiring these very handsome landscapes.
4: Allow me to introduce you to my nephew, Algernon Hunter.
1: Oh, I cannot tell you how delighted I am to make your acquaintance, Mr. Hunter. It is really capital. capital. Yes, sir, delighted.
4: Well, if you'll excuse me, gentlemen, I must
1: circulate. I heard of you from Edwards. He was a distant cousin of mine, you know.
3: Really? Well, then I am pleased to know you, sir. Your cousin was very dear to me.
1: Yes, he was an excellent fellow, uh, though I regret uh, I hadn't seen him for some time before... Odd business, that. Yes, it was. Edwards once told me you were a man of sound judgment. He honored me. Tell me. As a man of sound judgment, do you believe the case was really supernatural?
3: Oh, I do. Judging by by what my wife and I witnessed in that house, I find no other explanation sufficient to cover the facts.
1: Just so. Do you also believe that it is possible for the spirits of a dead person to interact with the living, and even to affect them in a material sense?
3: When you say a material sense... To
1: touch them, or to move objects about, that sort of thing. Well, I am no expert,
3: but I think it is possible. I have heard such stories around a fireside of an evening. How much truth there is in any of them is hard to say. May I inquire what makes you ask?
1: Oh, uh, just idle curiosity. (laughs) Forgive me, this is not a very cheerful topic for a dinner party. Oh, I don't
3: know. Many an evening's frivolities have been enhanced by a good ghost story... Not all are as tragic as the case of Edward's. Most phenomena is quite harmless. Some families even become quite fond of their resident ghosts. Ah, But what if... What if?
1: Oh, it is nothing. I I was just wondering. You say most phenomena are harmless, but have you ever heard of a case where they were not? Once or twice. Is it possible, then? Yes, uh, Mr. Hunter, is it possible for a man to be murdered by a ghost? Well, that uh, that
3: is an interesting question. Do you have a particular reason for
1: asking? Uh, we cannot talk now. M- Mrs. Lucas is coming back. Here is my card. Feel free to call on me any time.
4: Algernon, dear, you see I've rescued your lovely wife from Sir Henry. Now, you must take your turn. Louisa, dear, let me introduce you to Mr. Evans.
1: I am charmed, Mrs. Hunter. I am
5: glad to meet you, Mr. Evans. Come along, Elginon, dear.
1: Do
3: excuse me, Mr. Evans. I'm afraid duty calls. Yes. I hope you will call on us sometime. What you say is very interesting. I would like to talk further.
1: The Hunter's Drawing Room. Later that night. So, darling, what did you make of Mr. Evans?
5: Seems a very pleasant sort of man. A rather nervous type, perhaps. Oh,
0: indeed.
5: Do you know he asked me the strangest question? Oh? What
3: was that? He asked me straight out whether I thought it was possible for a man to be murdered
5: by a ghost. Do you think he had some definite reason for asking?
3: Well, he may have been thinking in more general terms, but I certainly did not get that impression.
5: No. He rather reminds me of a startled animal somehow, as though he were in constant expectation of an attack. Hunted, would you say? Yes.
3: That was my impression when I first saw him, but from what quarter does he fear attack?
5: That is the question. Well, it is one only he can answer. You did not sense anything? I see what you are getting at, but no... I sensed his agitation, of course, but one does not need to be as sensitive to feel that.
3: My aunt was telling me that he has recently become engaged to a widow. She doesn't know much about the fiancé, save for the fact that she is not yet thirty, and from the few remarks Evans had let fall on the matter, that her history is something of a tragic one. Perhaps his troubles stem from that region.
5: I dare say we shall hear all about it before long. Oh, oh, how tired I am. I think it is time for bed.
1: Mrs. Winter's bedroom, the same night.
5: i finished locking up, ma'am. Will there be anything else? No, that's all right, Mrs.
4: Hill. That'll be all for tonight. You may go to bed.
5: Good night, ma'am. Good night. What was that? Is there someone in the room above? No, ma'am. Least there shouldn't be. It is probably just the storm.
4: That was not the storm. Someone is up there.
5: But that's your room. Who would be in there at this hour? No one here?
4: Wait. What is that on the dressing table?
5: Why... Tis a wedding photograph of you and the old master. However, did that get in here? You didn't put it there? No, ma'am. I haven't seen this since before we left the old house. Oh, take it away. For heaven's sake, take it away. Burn it if you
4: must, but get it away from me.
1: Hunter's Drawing Room, the next afternoon.
3: Evans, old boy, it is very good of you to call on us. I was so sorry to have cut short our conversation the other night. I found the topic very interesting.
5: Yes, Algernon told me about your question. I must admit to a certain curiosity.
3: My wife is as keenly interested in the supernatural as I am. She is, as you may have heard, a sensitive.
1: Uh, Well, a dinner party was perhaps not the best occasion for discussing such matters. I'm afraid you must think me very forward.
3: Oh, not in the least.
1: It is a terrible liberty, I know, as we have only just met. But the truth is, I am in need of advice. Well, a friend of Edward's is a friend of ours.
3: Pray,
5: tell us what is troubling you. Yes, we shall help in any way we can.
1: Well then, I'm engaged to be married. Or, at least, I think I am. You think you are engaged? My fiance has indicated to me that she believes it might be better for us to call off her engagement. But I am starting at the end. Forgive me. That's all right. Take your time. My fiance, Mrs. Winter, Abigail, has been widowed twice, as you know, though she is not yet thirty.
3: I understood from Mrs. Lucas that you were engaged. She said that your fiance was a widow. I did not realize she was twice so.
1: Ah, that is the very source of the mischief. Her first marriage was to a man much older than herself. It was fixed up by her people. Anyway, he turned out to be no beauty, and within two years he had drunk himself into his grave, leaving his wife as a woman of independent means.
5: And her second husband?
1: Ah, Yes, that is where the trouble really began. Her second husband died on their wedding night.
5: How awful.
1: Yes, they found him hanging from a tree at the bottom of the garden. Suicide? It was ruled as such, but my fiancée has never been completely convinced of it.
5: What does she believe, then?
1: She believes he had been murdered. By whom? By the ghost of her first husband. That is why I ask, is it possible for a man to be murdered by a ghost?
5: You are referring to a conscious and deliberate act. I am. As we have reason to know, the division between the living and the dead is not so absolute as is often supposed. I do not see why it should not be possible. To materially affect the living to such a degree as to be able to commit murder, I think must take a very strong and forceful energy. Is this why Mrs. Winter is reconsidering your engagement? She believes you to be in the same danger?
1: She does. She told me that from the time of her engagement to Winter, she felt the presence of her first husband about her. What you say interests me, Evans.
3: has she experienced anything of the sort since you've become engaged?
1: Yes. She's convinced that he will never allow her to be... Happy with another man, that he means to possess her, even in death.
3: Have you experienced anything yourself? Any
1: impression of danger? In truth, I have been aware of a feeling of nervousness, which is not usual to me. I put this down as natural, however, in light of my forthcoming marriage. Of course, it is also possible that something of Mrs. Winter's apprehension has communicated itself to my own nerves, yet there is a feeling, only a feeling, nothing tangible, of something pressing on a point in the back of my mind, trying to make itself known, I do not know how to describe it except to liken it to the feeling of not being able to remember something, and the harder one tries to recall, the further it slips away can feel something is wrong, but the more I try to understand what it is, the further I get from understanding. I dare say that sounds nonsensical.
3: No, not at all. Sometimes our instincts detect things of which our conscious minds have no notion. Have you mentioned anything of these impressions to Mrs. Winter?
1: No, I did not wish to add to her concern what really amounts to nothing more than a vague uneasiness.
5: Do you think it would be possible for us to meet Mrs. Winter?
1: Nothing could be easier. Would she be willing to talk to us about the matter? We are, after all, strangers. I told her of our meeting and about your experiences. She is very keen to meet you. Excellent. Then it is settled. Mrs. Winter's drawing room.
4: Mr. Hunter, Mrs. Hunter, how glad I am that you could come. John tells me that you experience of the supernatural. I should be very grateful of any
3: advice you can offer me. Well, I cannot promise that we will be able to help, but perhaps together we can find a way through your difficulty.
1: We shall be grateful for any help you can give us.
5: What can you tell us about your first husband, Mrs. Winter? It was not a love match by any means.
4: My father's business ran into financial difficulties. William Thompson was his chief creditor. He had in his power to ruin us, but he offered to forgive my father's debt in exchange for my hand in marriage. In fairness to my father, he gave me the choice, but if he had been ruined, my prospects would have been destroyed anyway, and there was my younger sister to consider. So I consented. It was not a happy marriage for me. He drank to excess and beat me often. I was not a wife to him. I was a possession, bought and paid for. That is why I am sure you will not think me wicked when I say that I am glad when my husband died.
5: I think that is completely understandable.
4: My husband had no family, so his money came to me. I have a very comfortable life now, at least. He has given me a better life dead than he ever did alive.
3: Yet you chose to remarry.
4: I did. Arthur Winter was a friend of my sister's husband. I met him on a visit to them. He was a very kind man, so gentle and considerate. He was the very opposite of my first husband. He made me feel safe, Mr. Hunter. Perhaps you can
5: hardly understand what it meant to a woman who has lived as I have. And you believe your second husband was murdered by your first husband? Yes.
4: Strange things started happening in the run up to the wedding. Things belonging to my first husband started appearing around the house. Photographs of my fiance disappeared or were moved. But I had no idea
3: what the end result would be. Yet you decided to marry again. Were you not afraid?
4: <sighs> when my second husband died, I tried to convince myself that it was my imagination that things that had happened in the house had another explanation. Then I met John. I did not need to marry Mr. Hunter. I could have lived my life alone and been quite happy, I dare say, but I fell in love. Though I am not in the first flush of youth, I am still a young woman and I did not see why I should be deprived of the chance to share my life with another. Why should a man, who made my life miserable while he lived, continue to deprive me of love once he was dead? That's just how I feel. But you must see, John dear. Now that it has begun again, I cannot deny the truth anymore. How can I justify the risk to you? I would rather have you live as my friend than die as my husband. He will not let me be happy with any other man. My own Asmodeus.
3: Is this the same house in which your first husband died? No,
4: I sold that. I did not want to stay there. Too many memories.
3: So he had no connection to this house? None.
4: Besides, Arthur died at his own property. Just so. And the servants, were they with you before? The housekeeper, Mrs. Hill, is the only one who came with me from the old house. Was she
3: fond of your husband?
4: I see what you are thinking, that it may be she who was behind the disturbances in the house. No, she was not attached to him. He was no better a master than as a husband. Besides, she was with me during the latest disturbance. That is when this photograph was left in my bedroom. That is your first husband with you? Yes. It was taken on our wedding
3: day. Someone or something wishes to remind you of your first marriage. Louisa, are you alright, my dear?
5: The photograph. Please, take it away. Oh, I feel unwell. well.
1: Can I get you anything?
5: No, no. I will be well presently.
3: Louisa is sensitive to psychic
5: impressions. What did you feel, darling? Anger. So much anger and jealousy. I believe Mrs. Winter is right. There is something supernatural at work here. Mr. Hunter, I feel I should state this so that you
4: are not led away on a false trail. I did not kill my first husband. No, 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 do not protest, I beg you. The thought may have not occurred to you yet, but I've read too many stories in which murderous spouses are menaced by avenging spirits to know that it would be sooner or later.
3: I appreciate your frankness, madam.
1: What
5: is to be done, then? To investigate, we must be present in the house when the disturbances occur. There is no
4: difficulty there. You are welcome to stay with me for as long as necessary.
1: Night. Spare bedroom, Mrs. Winter's house.
3: Well, Mrs. Hunter, our first night in a haunted house, in a manner of speaking.
5: One haunted by the dead, anyway. Except it isn't really the house that's haunted, is it? I mean, our ghost has no connection to this house, which means... It is Mrs. Winter who is haunted and possibly Mr. Evans.
3: Yes, that does make things more difficult. Well,
5: let us see what the
3: night brings. Good night, my darling.
5: Good night, dear. Algy? Algy? Algernon, will you wake up? What? What is it? I can smell burning. So can I.
3: The door isn't hot. Mrs. Winter! Mrs. Winter! Mrs. Winter! (gasps) The photograph! It's on fire! Good heavens! Quick, put it out! There, it's out now. Uh, This is strange. What is? It seems to have smoldered rather than been consumed. See, the edges are blackened and burnt, but the rest of the pictures... Almost untouched.
4: It is John's picture. He gave it to me as a gift when we were first courting. It was in a frame in the drawing room. I-, I was awoken by the smell of smoke and the feeling of someone watching me. And I found it propped up there on the dressing table as you saw it. Smouldering.
3: You heard no one enter the room?
4: No, I-, I do not think so.
5: I cannot be sure. It is late. It is late. Let us all try and get some sleep and look at this fresh in the morning.
1: Morning. Mrs. Winter's dining room.
5: Do you expect Mr. Evans today?
4: Yes. I have told him it would be safer for him if he were to stay away for now. But he is determined.
3: A faint heart never won a fair lady, Mrs. Winter.
5: I fear his bold heart will put him in danger, Mr. Hunter. Algernon and I will consult our books today. There may be some precedent there to guide us.
1: Mr. Evans, ma'am. I'm sorry to barge in so early, but I had to see you. I woke up this morning to find this pinned to my pillow. What is it? It is your certificate of marriage to Thompson. <gasps> I say pins, but it was actually stabbed through by this.
4: That is my husband's knife. My first husband.
1: Mrs. Hunter, where are these things
3: usually kept?
4: The certificate is usually kept locked with other papers in the roll-top desk in the study.
3: And the knife? I
4: don't know. I haven't seen it for some time. I disposed of most of my husband's possessions when he died.
1: I suppose... could have been overlooked. Whether it came from this house or not, it was clearly intended as a warning. When I think it might as easily have been me. Oh, don't! I'm sorry, Abby, I shouldn't have spoken so. You did not see or hear anyone enter the room in the night, Mr. Evans? I saw no one, but I cannot swear I heard no one. I was conscious of having woken suddenly, so I lit the lamp and looked about me. That is when I saw that on the pillow beside me. Not a very cheery way to start the morning.
4: Oh, what are we to do?
5: First, we need to check that the lock on the desk has not been interfered with. We must, you understand, be sure that no one in the house is behind these things. Then we shall turn to our research.
1: May I help? I need to feel of some use. Of course.
5: Let us go now and examine the desk.
1: Mrs. Winter's study.
3: The certificate was locked in this drawer. Hmm. No sign of tampering and the drawer is still locked. Does anyone beside yourself have the keys to this desk? No.
4: I am the only one. I keep them with me at all times.
3: (sighs) Well, that does seem to settle it.
4: Oh, Mr. Hunter, what are we to do? It is all so awful. It is clear to me that as far as my first husband is concerned... I still belong to him, and he will defend his right to his property.
5: I fear this has been a terrible shock for you, Mrs. Winter. Perhaps you would like to lie down for a while. Yes,
4: I think I will. I fear I'm getting a headache.
1: Get some rest, my dear. I feel certain we will find a way through this.
5: We had better get to work.
1: Mrs. Winter's bedroom.
5: No.
4: No. What do you want? Leave me alone! Who, who is there? No one there? There's no one there! Oh! Am I going mad?
1: You are Mine.
4: no, no, please,
1: mine. No. mine, heaven
4: preserve me,
1: you belong to me,
4: no, never again, you will not
1: Mrs. Winter's study. I never realized the supernatural was such a wide topic. How are we ever to find an answer to a problem amongst so much information? Don't despair yet, Mr. Evans.
5: I believe I might have found something. What is it? An account in Gillen's treatise on hauntings. Listen, I was once called upon to deal with an unusual case of haunting in which a husband was troubled by the spirit of his late wife. His wife had been of a jealous temperament in life and had refused to give up her claim upon her husband's affections, even in death. By using a form of a reverse wedding ceremony, along with an object chosen to symbolize their earthly marriage, I was able to finally sever the bond that held them connected.
1: My word, if that could work for us, it is worth a try
5: at any rate. We must tread carefully. We do not want to antagonize the spirit further.
3: What the deuce was that? <laughs>
1: What is the wrong with her?
5: Don't you see him? See who? Thompson! He's choking her! Do something! <gasps> He's gone! No, he hasn't! He's coming this way! Mr. Evans, watch out! oh, oh. Mrs.
3: Winter! Evans, are you alright?
5: I think so. I believe he intended to frighten me, not to kill me.
1: I am alright, but... What happened?
5: It was Thompson. He was choking Mrs. Winter, and then he knocked you over. Did you really not see? I
3: saw a vague shadow over the bed, but nothing definite. I saw nothing.
5: I did not see. I only felt... It was awful. We must stop him. There is no time to lose.
3: Mrs. Winter, when you are sufficiently recovered, I think we had best begin.
1: Mrs. Winter's study.
5: I have the rosemary and sage that you asked for. Excellent. Place them in the bowl on the table, please. We must burn them to help banish the negative forces. The rosemary will also serve as a symbol of the memories that hold Thompson. Now, we need something that represents your marriage. Mrs. Winter, do you still have your wedding ring from your first marriage? Yes. Yes, I do. It is in an old
4: jewelry case in my room. I shall fetch it. I shan't be long.
1: Do you really believe this will work, Mrs. Hunter?
5: I cannot promise, but I am hopeful. I am determined to try. He must be stopped. Yes. You have the
3: book, but do not be afraid to trust in your own instincts. I believe in you, darling.
5: Thank you, my dear. I only hope we can mi- rid Mrs. Winter and you, Mr. Evans, of this dreadful burden. Yes. I have the ring. Here you are.
3: Then let us begin.
5: Very well. Mrs. Winter, please stand here beside the desk. When I say now, I want you to drop the ring into the ball. Algernon, Mr. Evans, sit over there, please. There is nothing for you to do now. As you wish. I call upon the spirit of William Thompson, who is bound to this woman. I call upon these persons here, present to witness the dissolution of this bond. Abigail Winter, is it your wish that the bond betwixt you and William should be from this day dissolved? It is. Do you make this declaration of your own free will? I do. The dead and the living may never be as one. It is against nature. Abigail has, of her own free will, rejected this unnatural state. I call upon the spirit of William to do likewise. Return to the realm of spirit, which is now your proper place, and leave this mortal realm. Something is happening. I can feel
1: it. Shh, be still.
5: By death, be parted. What was once joined together in life must now be split asunder. No! Now, with this ring, I banish you. I now pronounce this union ended. Go forth from this place and return to that place appointed for you. Be gone!
3: Is it over? I think so. Well done, darling.
5: Look at the ring! Good heavens! It is split clean in two! I think we may take that as a sign. That we were successful.
1: Mrs. Winter's doorstep.
4: Thank you both again so much. I feel you have given me my life back, my future.
1: Yes, thank you. I cannot begin to tell you how grateful we both are.
5: We are glad to have helped. The only thanks we need is to see you married and happy.
3: Yes, we are delighted to have been any assistance.
5: You are both
4: too modest. You may be sure that you will receive an invitation to the wedding as soon as the date is set. We would not be getting married at all if it were not for you. The day would hardly seem complete without you there to share it with us.
3: You may be sure that we shall keep the date free. Goodbye to you both, and good luck to you. Goodbye. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye, Hunter, Mrs. Hunter. Take care. Ah, what a beautiful day it is.
4: Yes, I think we may look forward to many more beautiful days.
0: May I have your attention, please? Are you having fun? Well, good, because there's more spirits to come. In fact, during our intermission, there are three in particular. Red rum sangria, for example. A lovely little whiskey delight called a grave digger. And if you like vodka, you're sure to love the Beetlejuice. Please. Enjoy the next 15 minutes and consume as much as human or inhumanly possible.
7: (laughs) We'll be back in a
3: flash.
0: Hello, kiddies. I just wanted to welcome you back. How are the spirits in the lobby? Were they good? Let's give it a nice round of applause for the Aurora Theater for this lovely, horrifying evening. Yes, yes. I just wanted to bring up something quickly. We all witnessed a live art theft this evening. It wasn't terrifically clever. It did not involve a movie remake with Pierce Brosnan and anyone else. Simply walked up, nicked the painting, actually said he was sorry and took off. This is something authors like to refer to as things that you can't make up. Our resident artist Jeanette isn't even mad. Let's give her a round of applause. Anywho, let's get back to the spooky, shall we? Choices
7: make them for good or ill. Many appear unimportant at the time, but even those that seem trivial can have far-reaching consequences. Can you recall, for instance, the choices that brought you here tonight? And are you quite sure you really are where you think you are? On the edge of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, an old Victorian building can be found, if you know where to look and if you're meant to find it. A place where story and substance combine, and reality is fluid and ever-changing. Originally built as a luxury residence for some of the city's most well-to-do residents, it now serves a very different purpose. Within its dilapidated walls sits the lift, operated by a very unusual young girl. Dressed in Victorian-era clothing, as much out of time as she herself is, the girl waits patiently to guide those who are meant to find her. Those who do find their way to her are offered a ride on her lift and a choice. But not all visitors make the right choice, and some find themselves lost in the building's dark hallways, struggling to move beyond fear and doubt and choose their fate. Some have forgotten how they got there, and how to get out, while yet others are trying to find their way... in.
8: Let's get for right. My name is Victoria. I have lost so much. My name is Victoria. I am bound to this place, charged with guiding those who must choose. Don't
4: be afraid.
8: I can never again be the little girl I was. Have you accept your fate? Or it? I have my music box I and a library lost. But I sometimes feel very alone. Won't you join me? It's time for your ride on the don't <laughs>
4: afraid. I'm going to start recording now, Mr. Walters.
3: Oh, sure. Is that okay? That's fine. That's fine.
4: October Fourteenth, nineteen seventy-four. Special Agent Jacqueline Ellis interviewing Dexter Walters.
3: Well, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. What is? Oh, you being a special agent for the FBI.
4: <laughs> Why? Because I'm black or because I'm a woman?
3: Well, I guess maybe a bit of both, ma'am. I, I have my reasons for not being fond of law enforcement, but, uh, you're kind of cool. Kind of cool.
4: Let's move on, Mr. Walters. As I mentioned before we started recording, I'd like to, uh discuss the report you gave to the police in Pittsburgh last October.
3: Look, I I ain't crazy, and I wasn't delirious. It happened.
4: I actually believe your story, Mr. Walters. I'm working on a special project. That's why I'm here. You might be surprised to hear that your story has some strong similarities to others I've been researching. (laughs) Right. It's true. Now, I've read the report, and there are things in there of particular interest to me. Could you tell me a little more about what happened that night?
3: I I already told those fellas what happened. Please.
4: Mr. Walters. Dexter. It's important.
3: I I don't want people thinking I'm a liar or or nutcase. Uh, Again, I ain't going back to the funder farm.
4: I can promise you that's not going to happen. You can share your story with me.
3: Please. All right. All right. I'm, I'm going to take it, your word because I like you. So let's see. So I was in Pittsburgh to drop off a package. See, the gal that ordered it didn't want us using a courier. And at the price she's paying, my boss had no problem sending me up to drop it off by myself. And at this really old building, well, I, I knocked on the door. Ain't nobody there try the door, it opens up, so i walk in. I, I figure I could just drop it off and be on my way.
4: Without a signature?
3: Lady, if you seen that building, you'd have thought the same damn thing. As it is, I didn't do that. Okay. Fair enough.
4: Anyway, that's what the report says. Now, there are certain elements to the stories I've found like yours. Details that the Subjects seem very hesitant to share for
3: some reason. Uh, subjects? I, I don't get you.
4: This has happened to other people. You know that, right? You mentioned an old building and an old-fashioned elevator, and you talked about that weird music. But you didn't mention the choice you had to make, or the little girl.
3: L- little girl, I, I, I'm not sure what you're talking
4: about. Victoria Dexter. The little girl with the music box. <sighs> you saw
3: her, didn't you? <laughs> she
4: made you, and the others choose,
3: didn't she? How, how, how do you know that?
4: I am a special agent with the FBI. Now, Tell me what happened, Dexter. As much as you can
3: remember. Oh, ma'am. I remember it all. What the hell? Where the hell am I? It's damn dark in here. Hello? What the? Jesus jumped up bald headed. What the hell was that? Uh, hey, hey, kid, can you turn on the lights? <laughs> kid, this ain't funny. Oh, not by damn sight. He- hello?
5: Oh. What the hell are you doing? Who the hell are you? Holy shit!
3: I, I, I'm sorry, ma'am. It's it's dark in here. I had no idea there was. Some... You knocked me over, you Claude. I'm sorry, ma'am, but, but damn, I'm awful glad to see you.
5: You know where we are? I mean, I have no idea how I got here. I have no idea. I was at a Halloween party and asked the waiter for another bottle of Prosecco, and the next thing I know, I'm here in the dark, getting mowed down by a cretin. I, I think I just got here myself. I, I was
3: delivering a package and wound up on that elevator, and, and I must have fell or something because I woke up here. Hey, give me your hand. Let Don't me help Don't touch me.
5: You are very Clumsy. Falling down, crashing into people like a drunk. Are you drunk? What the hell is wrong with you, lady? It was an accident. What are you talking about?
3: Asking me if I was drunk?
5: Just who the hell you think you're talking to? Don't you raise your voice to me. You keep away from me. Hey. Hey, Hey, is there someone down there? Help. This man is trying to attack me. Attack you? Hey, I'm just as confused and lost as you are, lady.
1: Are you okay, miss?
5: I, I think so. That man is crazy. Just a goddamn
3: Hey, man.
1: hey, stay back there, pal. You got this lady all spooked.
5: I ain't gonna hurt neither,
1: of you? How about we all head toward the light up there, where we can get a look at each other, figure out what the hell is going on. How does that sound fair to everyone? Well, fair or not, I'm damn tired of standing here in the dark. Miss?
5: Fine. Just keep that man away from me.
1: Not a problem. Here, take my hand, and I'll keep between you and him.
5: Thank you. I'm lucky you showed up when you did.
1: Yes, you are. Happy to help, miss. Come on. Come on. I do. We're getting closer. Hello? Are you okay? I
4: just want to go home. I can't do this anymore. Hey,
5: are you okay, miss? Watch out for that
3: one. He's dangerous. Oh, would you just cut the shit, lady?
4: I've been here so long. So long. I
3: just want to leave. It's, hey, it's, it's all right, miss.
4: Sometimes I see them, the others trapped here, like me, like all of us.
1: What do you mean, trapped? None of this makes
5: any sense.
4: I think it's just us now for. Uh, uh,
3: miss, what, what do you mean trapped? I just want to go home.
5: She's obviously a crazy person. Shit lady, you think everybody's crazy except you. Prove me wrong.
4: None of us are ever getting out of here.
5: What are you talking about?
4: I remember you. And him. Jim, right? Mm. And Especially
3: you, Dexter. No, I... I I was going to say that you're mistaken, but... I I feel like I do know you.
1: We all do. Eventually.
5: Please. Don't you be crazy, too.
1: No one's crazy.
5: Someone is.
1: Oh, Oh, okay, so you two know what's going on? No! Yes. You do, too. You just don't remember yet. Oh. This is so crazy.
5: And suddenly I make sense.
3: (laughs) Hell, ain't nobody saying that.
5: Do you remember how you got here?
1: No, I don't. A better question. Do you remember
5: why you're here? How is that a better question? I don't know how I got here, and I sure as hell don't know why. It's like I lost a bet somewhere, and now I'm stuck here with all of you. I know
4: why
3: I'm here.
5: Oh Okay, well, why's that? Are you buying into this?
3: What the hell do you care? Let her talk. Crazy. Go, go ahead, miss.
4: I uh, had the chance to help someone out. Someone close. Someone I love very much. But I was selfish. I waited. I waited too long, and... Now they're gone.
5: Wow. No offense, but that is insanely vague. I have almost no sympathy for whatever the hell is wrong with you.
4: (laughs) My brother is dead. He owed a lot of money to someone. And money I was able to give him to pay it back. And didn't. And they killed him.
5: They just killed him.
3: Well, well, miss, that's
5: just awful. He went to a loan shark or something? Why would he do that? That's just stupid. Ma'am, if you don't mind me
3: saying so, you're kind of a lousy human being.
4: (laughs) All I had to do was just give him the money and he'd still be alive.
5: It was his decision to borrow the money, not yours. It's not your fault. It's on him. See, that's what I told her. It's obvious. That doesn't explain why you're here or why I'm here. Something happened to you, or you did something. I'm a good person. I don't deserve to be here.
1: We all deserve to be here.
5: Is that so? I can't think of a single reason why I would be here. Allow me to
1: help spark your memory. Your husband.
5: What about my... husband?
1: Ringing a bell yet? What about your husband?
5: Shut up. He is a bad man.
1: Sure is.
5: You shut your goddamn mouth. Wait,
3: he is a bad man, and,
5: and
1: you know, don't you?
5: It's none of your goddamn business.
1: How bad is he, Jennifer? What is it that you do? You know, when he does what he does.
5: (laughs) I I don't do anything. It's Hmm. not me, it's him. What the hell did you do? But I didn't do
1: anything. Well, my mama used to say what you let happen will keep on happening. And, um... What did Mama say about your drinking?
5: What the hell's that
1: got to do with anything? It's got everything to do with why you're here.
5: I'm a good person. I'm a good person.
1: Sure you are.
5: I'm a good person. At least, I mean, it's not anything I did.
3: I I quit drinking. I
5: ain't had a drop in three years.
1: That's just about how long Mama's
5: been dead. Right? You lousy son of a bitch. I can't be held responsible for my husband.
1: Oh, baby, yes you can.
4: He's a very, very
3: bad man. How do you
1: know anything?
3: (laughs) I just want to go home.
1: We all deserve to be here. Just because I was drunk don't mean it was my fault she died.
5: I mean, I didn't kill those people. He did. I mean... It feels like my fault. And it isn't any of my
1: business. It really isn't any of your business.
4: I should have just given him the money. He'd still be alive if I had just given him the money.
1: Oh, no, he'd still be dead, money or not. I I, I mean, I, I shouldn't have been so drunk.
4: Wait, you aren't listening to him.
1: She would have been dead. Drunk you or not drunk you.
5: There isn't anything I could have done to stop him.
1: You might as well have been holding them down for me, to be honest.
5: You aren't listening to him!
1: The best place to hide. By the
3: time I woke up, she'd been dead for for two days. All my fault
1: is right out in the open.
3: <gasps> He's still doing it! Oh my god.
1: Time to go to work.
3: But I didn't kill my mother.
4: I didn't kill my brother. He did. He
5: did. He did. I did.
1: <laughs> you know, this is what always happens. You all remember at the same time.
5: You're my husband?
1: The one and only. You killed... I killed lots. I've killed lots of people. and You know what's great? I've killed you three so many times now, it makes my head spin. It's glorious.
4: I just want to go home. Can't you just let me go home? We're
1: all trapped here. You three just keep coming back again and again and again. I don't mind telling you that this is the best fucking Halloween I've ever had. You disgust
5: me. You crazy bastard.
1: You always say that. Right before I choke you to death. But, ah, how about I just... Ugh. But not before the redneck tries being brave. And I really do like killing him while he's down.
5: Please. can you just
4: stop this? It doesn't have to go on and on.
1: But I absolutely love killing you last.
4: No, Please.
7: <laughs> <laughs> Please!
1: Let's oh, go. I did it! It's, it's finally here! You came! You shut up.
5: Is it the creepy little girl? Whoa. What, what the
1: hell is happening? I think I'm about to get the hell out of here.
5: I think I should get to go. I've suffered the most. Oh, do be quiet.
1: Whoa. (sighs) I've
4: waited so long.
8: Have you stopped blaming yourself?
4: I think I have. I still miss him. But I know it wasn't my fault.
8: Are you ready to leave then?
4: Yes, I am.
1: (gasps) I I was in line ahead of her.
8: (sighs) I've had about enough of you. Uh,
3: little girl... You should be careful, he's Have just... Have you really stopped drinking? What?
8: What? Your mum always wanted better for you. She'd be quite pleased that you stopped drinking. More so if you stop blaming yourself. Well, I, I, I reckon, but, but, but hang on a minute here. And you then, Jennifer. I've watched you. You don't learn, do you?
5: <laughs> Who do you think you're talking to?
8: I believe the phrase is, what you allow will continue. And I will allow this no longer. You and your husband, get on my lift. Really? Yes, really. Now, get on my lift.
5: I'm going. So happy to get out.
1: Which button do we press?
5: You don't.
8: You're going to the basement.
1: What? What's in the basement?
8: Things best put away. What does that mean? Do you believe in hope? Yes, at least I do. You won't for much longer. This is your story. Time to get off. Wait, this isn't right. Oh, oh my god, no! You'll both be leaving now. Please, please, no! There are so many of them. Sadly, yes. You can't force
1: us to get off.
8: That's where you're wrong. Wait! Now what about you two, have you learned anything? I think I have. What about you, Dexter? Uh,
3: I I, I don't know, but I I feel a little lighter.
8: Good. Come along, Courtney. It's time.
3: Why can't we get on together?
8: You're each going to different places. Not... not No, not the basement. That's only for very, very bad people. It's ever so unpleasant.
4: That's some tale, Mr. Walters.
3: Well, I swear it's true.
4: What happened to the girl, Courtney?
3: Uh, I I don't know. I I guess she went home. I suppose she's doing all right. And the other two? Well, I reckon it's like the little girl said. They, uh, went to the basement.
4: Do you think the basement is a euphemism for hell?
3: Well, ma'am, I don't know what a euphemism is, but, uh, if that basement wasn't hell, I bet it was pretty damn close.
4: <sighs> Mr. Walters, is there anything else that happened in that building that you care to
3: tell me? Well, it's, it's funny. I told all this to the cops at the time, but, but they didn't believe me. That's, that's how I wound up in the hatch in the first place. I will tell you, for as scary as it was in that building, when I left, I was in more peace than I ever thought I'd be.
4: And That's because of Victoria.
3: Yes, ma'am, I reckon so.
4: What do you think a spectral little English girl is doing in a building in Pittsburgh, Mr. Walters?
3: (laughs) I think she's doing all right.
4: Well, I think that will do it, Mr. Walters. I appreciate your time. Sure thing. Uh, One more question. What did she say to you before you left her
3: building? <laughs> she said, "Happy Halloween," and she laughed. I started to walk back to my truck, but when I turned back around, the building was gone.
4: Interesting.
3: <laughs> no, ma'am. Spooky it is real spooky.
4: <laughs> yes, I guess it was. Thank you for your time.
3: You're welcome.
8: Oh, and as for the rest of you, you remember now, don't you? You've been here for quite some time now, and you all have choices to make. Now, who wants to go for a ride?
1: So one of the cool things about doing a podcast is if you make lots of mistakes and uh, you can always fix that in post-production. So I'm going to refer to note cards because otherwise I'll mess all this up. So first of all, I want to thank all of you very much for coming out and joining us. Uh, big round thank of you. applause for you guys. Uh, if you hope, I hope if you enjoyed the performance, uh, you'll consider listening to the podcast, the Wicked Library and the Lyft during your apparently extended Atlanta
0: commutes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'd also like to invite you to stop by uh, and say hello on your way out. We will have copies of our written anthologies. We recently put out a written anthology for the Wicked Library. It's the first anthology we've put out. uh, After nine seasons of doing the show, we finally put out a written anthology to feature some of our uh, independent authors. And uh, last November, we put out a copy of an anthology for The Lift, which is... Uh, It contains nine stories that have never been on the show, so those were all written so that we would have uh, a way of bringing Victoria into the world in a material sense as well. If you stop by and grab one, you can get them for $10, and they are autographed, and uh, we also have some mugs and stickers, and we do appreciate, uh, if you do want to pick something up, a debit or credit card if possible. Banks were closed today, so uh, cash is, uh, we don't have change is is basically what I'm saying. But we do, take, uh, we do have uh, PayPal set up, so we can uh, take a debit or credit card if you guys would like to pick something up. Again, thank you so much for coming out. This was a great experience for us. We, we've done a couple of live shows before. Um, our first live show was seven people. Our second live show was 12 people. So this is a, an amazing experience for all of us, and we thank you so much for a being a part of it. This is a huge
3: step up. We could have <laughs> given everybody a ride home collectively from those shows. Thank you all very much. Thank
5: you. <laughs>
3: And uh, we heart Gwinnett County in Georgia. Thank you so much for welcoming us. It's been awesome.